something more refined. So today, O oh Lord, let us not neglect the process. Let us not neglect the seasons that we go through in our lives that we sometimes don't appreciate. Sometimes has been difficult. But we know that you are producing something great. Bless us tonight. Even as we get into the study of your word, we pray, O oh Lord, to shape us. We pray for fresh revelation. We pray, O oh God, that you, oh God, will just nurture us and cause us, O oh God, to come into that place where we can faithfully, O oh God, serve you, glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. 
Bless the Lord. Amen. It is so good to have you all join with us again for our online Bible study. Um, I know it's just a, a little while before we will start to assemble again as a local church, and, and but we will still continue our online for those that are, are still want to join us. So welcome to the Potter's House family. Welcome to all our friends and and family, online family that has been joining in, people that from all over the world and different parts of South Africa that have been connecting. We pray that you have been blessed uh, with the series Warrior Arise. Um, it is my desire that in this teaching series to challenge, to encourage you to allow the warrior within you to arise. Uh, it's almost as if I want to say, let the lion roar. <laughs> that which is on the inside of you, let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar through your life. Amen. That means there's a mighty sound that you can release. And I pray today that you would come into an understanding of who you are, whose you are, and your identity in God. So tonight we're going to deal a little bit more about identity, knowing who we are in God. Last week we spoke about putting on the whole armor of God. Uh, like in Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Amen? Oh. So I want you to know today that we, are, we understand we're engaged in a warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. The Bible says it's not, we're not, we're not warring against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. So we have to understand the first element of engaging in battle is knowing our enemy. But we also have to know that the battle is won. Amen? Now in John chapter 10 verses 10, in part of us knowing the enemy, we know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? And But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is a very important element in this whole lesson is that it is God's desire to, he knows you're going to engage in a battle, but he has already set out a victory plan. He's already set out a strategy for you to overcome the enemy. And so we started, even on Sunday, I started speaking about the spirit of an overcomer and how to overcome. And I want to continue a little bit on this the next Sunday. But I want you to know that you have to acknowledge that the battle is one one that means the battle we engage in the battle from a platform of victory amen that means the victory jesus said the bible says he has already conquered the enemy on the cross and so we stand in the finished work of the cross and so today we understand that our accomplishments our achievements is not all out of our own doing, but it is being already accomplished through Jesus Christ. So also part of putting on the whole armor was about us learning about faith and how to execute, how to function, how to exercise our faith. And, and, the, and the Bible says in our putting on of faith, like taking up the shield of faith, it is our act of obedience. Amen. It's part of our gospel armor. And so we want to go on from there today. But if, before we go into our lesson today, uh, I want to just read a portion of scripture 
that is going to tie in what we're going to do today. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, very familiar portion of scripture, and but it's a very, very relevant one, even in our present day. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say you are John the Baptist, others say that you are Elijah, and still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what do you, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? There has to come a place in all of our spiritual journey as a believer, as a child of God, where we have to come to an understanding and a, a, our own acknowledgement of who Christ is to us. Jesus starts off the conversation as they are journeying, as they are walking, and he asks them a question. He says, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And so he wants you to get the perspective of the crowds. He wants you to get the perspective of the multitudes. And I want you to understand the multitudes had an understanding, a broader understanding, but an understanding that is fed by what they have seen others do before. So they equated him to someone that they have seen before or someone who has functioned is similar to how Jesus was functioning. So therefore they say it's like the John the Baptist. Therefore it says it's like the Elijah because the scriptures told them, the writings, the chronicles told them Elijah did this and Elijah did that and John the Baptist did this. And so they see this and then they draw an inference. But Jesus asks a question of those that are closest to him. He says, who do you say that I am? I want to challenge you today, if ever before, we become more and more aware that we need to start asking the very basic questions of our belief system, of our salvation, and of our confirming that we are children of God. We have to know who God is in your life. Now we know who God is in your grandma and your granddad's life. We know who God is in your mom and your dad's life. But who does is Christ to you? And so when he asked the question, Simon Peter answered and he says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus makes a statement and he says, Blessed are you, Simon of the son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father which is in heaven. In that one single statement, there was a confirmation of a direct connection between Peter and the Heavenly Father. It said that Peter had an ability to hear the voice of God, to receive data, to receive heavenly data, information that was not already known on the earth. And so when Peter opens us up his mouth and he says, you are the Messiah, 
the son of the living God. He states the assignment, but he also states the personhood of Jesus Christ. He acknowledges that he has God incarnate. He is the son of God, became flesh, dwelling amongst men, but fulfilling the purpose of Messiah. So Messiah was there to save us from the sins of the world, to save us and restore back the relationship with the Father. Peter was not just making a, a statement that had no value. It was such a weighty statement because he understood the, the very intricate mandate that was on the life of Jesus in restoring man back to his relationship with the Father. That's how he sees him as Messiah. Messiah is our Savior. Came to save the world. But then he comes in and he says, you're the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And he says, I tell you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now I want you to understand. He comes to Peter. And he says, now you are Peter. Upon this confession, upon this statement, upon this truth that you have now released in the atmosphere. Remember, there has been times even before this encounter, like with Jairus' daughter, when, when, when Jesus said, Talita Kumi, which meant little girl, the uh, Almighty God tells you to arise. He was making statements, and when he tells to Jairus and the family, don't tell anyone what took place here. People would have seen the dead child walking in the, in the streets and known that the child was dead but now was alive. So they couldn't hide the fact he was saying what was stated, what was uttered here, cannot be uttered anywhere else. Because the world was not ready to see him as Messiah. But this is the first time that Jesus would publicly acknowledge and allow them to see him as Messiah. And so not only does he do this, but then he comes to Peter and he says, upon this rock, upon this confession, upon this statement, upon this truth, I will build my church. Amen. God is building his church. I want you to understand the state of the church right now may feel like it's fragmented, disjointed. They may, you may share with us the many things that is not right within the body of Christ. But I know one thing. Jesus says, when I come back, I'm coming back for a bride that is without spot or blemish. I want you to understand that the church of Jesus Christ will become more and more glorious, more and more beautiful, even as we await the coming or the, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then he goes on and he makes a statement and this is what ties in to our study today. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When does Jesus make this statement? He makes the statement after Peter has a revelation of who, God, of who Jesus Christ really is. I want us to understand, and you and I may have quoted this scripture many times. 
And we say whatsoever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. But understanding that this comes in not just in verbal. He says I give you the keys of the kingdom. And the keys of the kingdom is to be able to bind and to loose. But he doesn't just give it to anybody. He gives it to those that have a revelation of who he is. How many times many of us have been claiming this scripture, claiming this truth of our lives, but we haven't come to the place where we have a revelation of him as Messiah, as son of the living God. I want to challenge you tonight. As a, when, if you're going to get to the place where you operate as a warrior in the kingdom of God, as a soldier in the army of Christ, you have to come to the place where you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have a personal encounter with Him, a personal revelation of who He is, and He becomes your God. He becomes the King, and you're not only your Savior, but your Redeemer and King and Lord. Amen? He has to become to that place where He is, because then only can you op operate or appropriate the blessings that comes with being part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Now there was an old song that, uh, that, that, that Ron Canoli used to sing uh, about I, I want to be a part of the kingdom. I'm so glad I'm a son. I'm a child of the kingdom. I'm an heir of the promise. Amen. And so, so I want you to get to that place where you understand who you are. So in, in this session today, we want you to know who you are and understand spiritual knowledge will give us the ability to overcome and to be victorious even in this hour and in this time. Now Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That's what the NIV says. My people are destroyed. The King James says, My people perish for the lack of knowledge of the word. Amen. That means God is saying to us, it's not that we don't have the word, but we do not know what the word means to us, and we do not know what the word is saying for us. So God is, is emphasizing here, we have to grow in the knowledge of who the Father is, understand his love, understand his covenant, understand the, the truths, understand our identity, and our positional authority that we have in Christ Jesus. If we don't understand this, then, we, then our faith and our walk with Christ is just based on a feeling, is based on an emotion. It's not ba based on the truths of God's word. So the Bible says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. I want you to get to the place. This is my desire. Out of your prayer life, out of your time of fasting, out of your time of spending time in the presence of God. It is my desire that you would, uh, spending time in the word of God, it is my desire that you would get to the place where you begin to know God more and more. And know different aspects of who he is. Know him as your father. Amen. You have got to know God as your father. Jesus points out to his disciples the relationship that he has with his heavenly father. He says, 
I do not do anything unless my father tells me what to do. So he understands who is, where he gets his source of strength, his direction from, but he understands the person of his father. And now this is the very important part, is that the enemy will keep challenging you unless you have a knowledge of your identity and your authority that you have in Christ. The Bible says this in John 17 verses 11, we have been called heirs of God and we are part of his family. Amen? That means we are heirs of the kingdom, we are heirs of the promises of God, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. That means the Bible says in Ephesians 2.6, God raised us up with Christ and we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now this is the very important thing, is that we have to have a knowledge of our identity and our authority in Christ Jesus. The enemy attacks our knowledge. The enemy wants to stop you from knowing who you are. Because as long as you have a, 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 a lost sense of identity, as long as you are ambivalent about who you are, uh, about what you're called to do, as long as you lose yourself, the enemy will have every right over your life. But when you begin to know who you are, the Bible says, for those, those that know their God will do great and mighty exploits. For the people that know their God, unless we come to that place where we know our God. That's why Paul writes it again. He says that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I repeated this. I made that same statement on Sunday. But I want you to get to that place. My desire is that we get to know who our God is. Because the, you see the problem is that whenever we are faced with a challenge, whenever we are faced with a crisis, whenever we are faced with a storm, we describe our storms, we describe our crises, we, des we describe the challenges that we are facing. But I want you to get to the place, if you know your God, you'll be able in the face of your challenge, in the face of adversity, in the face of overwhelming circumstances, you will be able to say who your God is in response to the, to the challenge. So I want you to get to that place where you know who your, your identity and your authority comes from God. Now the Bible says this, and we've been quoting the scripture for the past few weeks, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen? That means the enemy attacks your understanding of who God is. Because when you, got, when you get a revelation of who God is and who you are in relation to who God is, that means if you understand you're an heir of the, the, the kingdom, you're a joint heir with Christ Jesus, you are the heir of a promise. An heir, the Bible says an heir, as long as it is a child, is subject as a servant. But when the heir comes to maturity, the heir has all the rights of rulership. I want you to understand this. That the enemy's plan is to keep you in a state of immaturity. Keep you in a state of, of where, where, where you do not know who you are. Because as long as you're a child, you are subject to somebody else leading you. But when you become mature, that's why Paul 
throughout the book of Corinthians speaks about maturity of the body, speaks about the maturing uh, of, of, of the, 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 every one of us. He says when you are a child, you acted like a child, you spoke like a child, you did childish things. But now that you're a man, you must put away childish things. That means when you were a child, you drank milk and you desired milk. But as you grow up, you must, you must desire the weightier matters, the more meaty matters. Amen. Children eat ground food. They eat everything that has to be to, to almost get to the place where it's chewable and easy to digest. But as you begin to mature, you are able to begin to engage with whatever you are faced with and then be able to still digest it. The process is still the same, but somebody else is not making it easier for you. Maturity means you've got to take responsibility. You have to be accountable. So God, you have to come to the place where you have a knowledge of who your identity and what your identity in Christ is. So we know that we are raised up with Christ, seated with, uh, with him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We have to get to that place where we understand the power and the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. Spiritual authority has been given to the believer through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So believers are called to apply the authority that they have already received through Jesus Christ when he defeated the enemy at the cross. Amen? Because the Bible says if the enemy knew what would have happened in the body of Christ, in the body of Christ, he wouldn't have taken Jesus to the cross. We need to know in our hearts. Humility leads us to acknowledge that our hearts are deceitful above all things. And the Bible says in John 7, uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart of man is deceitful above all things. Who can cure it? Who can understand it? So we have to come to the place where we just not are having a feeling and feelings encounter with God. You know, I've heard many people go to church and say, I felt really good today. But the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We've got to engage God, even through our minds and not just through our feelings and through our emotions. Because it, it will only begin to produce an emotional encounter. But I want you to get to the place. The Bible says, even Paul says, that I may know him. If we get the scriptures here that we should, the Bible says that people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That means of knowing. So we have to get to the place where we, we know him and know the power of God. Amen. That's why Paul, uh, uh, sorry, David begins to, to speak this out of his encounter with God. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, O God, and know my thoughts. If there be any offensive way in me, lead me in the, take it away from me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139. Why would, why would David pray this prayer? He says, I do not want to only be controlled by my feelings. Our, our walk as believers, as Christians, is not just an emotive experience that we have with God. But it has to come to the place where we, we get to know him. 
How do I get to know him? I study his word. I read his word. I let the word become alive in me. I build a relationship with him. How do you get to know anybody? You don't just only just get to know somebody but know by somebody else telling you information. But you get to know them as you engage with them. As you spend time with them. Get to know them, what they like, what they dislike, how they would handle situations. That's how you get to know somebody. You don't just get to know. I know nowadays uh, uh, everybody says everything is modern. You can text and, and you can WhatsApp and you can use social media and, and Instagram and Facebook and all those things. But that's not just knowing somebody. That's knowing about people. Knowing somebody is getting to the place where you engage with them. You see how they handle different circumstances. Be with them in the different phases of their life. That's what gets you. You, you only get to know somebody when you spend time with them. Uh, uh, you know, the old army people or people in the military says, you only get to know people when you're in the trenches with them. When you're in the lowest points of their life and you're with them and you see how they handle it. When they get the, the victorious moments, how they handle it. How, how they go through the different seasons of their lives. Through the times when, they, when they're strong and, and as young people, when, we, when we're young, we, we depend so much on our strength. But the Bible says, it, 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 even so, it says a, a, young man, a young man depends on his own strength, but an older man has wisdom. There are certain things about knowing people through different seasons in their lives. Nothing can compare to being invested in what you are growing into. If you want to grow in faith, you've got to know God. You have to spend time in His presence. You've got to spend time in His Word, getting to know Him better. We've been speaking about you need to know you know your enemy and know the, the, the attacks and the and the uh, even that we get from, from our enemy. But today I want you to know today. I want you to know who your God is. I want you to know because the Bible says when we get closer to God, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His presence. Why do you want to get to know God more? So that I can begin to understand the authority that He has, has for me, the person that I shall become. Then we can boldly say and, 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 and take this scripture and it's, when it says, I tell you of a truth. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then he comes in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I pray that God can trust you with the keys to the kingdom. That means God has given you all that you need to access the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The world was not ready for him at that stage. But we are ready. We know that he is our Messiah. We know that he is our soon coming King. Much in life has changed over the years. And in recent years, there has been so many different theological thoughts that has divided the church. 
But there are some fundamental truths in the word of God that doesn't change. Jesus must be Lord and Savior of our lives. When we get to the place where we acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, King of our lives, then we will get to the place where we will be able to receive the keys of the kingdom and we will walk in kingdom authority. There is a place of kingdom authority that God has still for us that he's unveiling to us. And maybe next week we will explore a little bit more about the keys of the kingdom and what it means and, and how it begins to bring us to a different realm of authority. And what are the keys of the kingdom? Because, you know, it's just not about binding and, and loosing, but we have to begin to understand what are the keys for. If we're not, if we're not instrumental, that means if you give somebody, you give a little child a key, and they take a car key and try to open the door of a house, it's not going to work. You've got to know what the key is used for. In all, and when you use it for the right purpose, it allows you access to something greater. I pray that God may allow you access to something greater in your life. Some of you have been just standing on the outskirts for many years. You've been standing on the outskirts of what God has for you. Some of you have been longing and desiring and saying, God, is there more? I want you to know today, these are the keys for you to start to access more. Let the warrior in you arise. Amen. Get to the place where you know your God. Know who you are in relation to your God. One of the challenges of this generation is that we're in an identity crisis. We allow everything and everyone to begin to give us a sense of identity. Your identity doesn't come from the group that you join or the friends that you have or the company that you keep or the titles that you have accumulated in life or the accomplishments that you have ma managed to, 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 to heap up in, even in your pursuit of, of greatness or success. You need to know who you are in Christ. Because if, when everything else is stripped away, who are you? What were you born? God has given you much more than what you think you are. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, we love you. We adore you. We glorify your name. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time, for this season. We thank you for this opportunity to even engage in your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would deposit in us your words, O oh God, words of life. And we pray today, O oh God, over each one of your sons and daughters. Let them know who they are. Father, I pray, O oh God, let us, like, like Peter, boldly and un under the unction and the direction of the Holy Spirit, answer, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Bless your people this week. O oh God, give them victory. Give them breakthroughs. Watch over them. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. Well, good night. God bless you. We're looking forward to joining with, with us on Sunday morning at 9 online. We trust in God for a great time in his presence. God bless. <laughs>